Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to another episode of From the Ashes. I'm here with Anthony D'Alessio, and you were last on, I was just checking, on episode 19. And we're now on episode 31. Wow. Was that back in June? Yeah, back in June. I mean, way back was a, almost a different show. We were maybe different people. Um, it feels like it. I know. It feels like forever ago, but I'm re- really excited to have you back. That one we were just talking was more of a discussion. It was called Tough Love Therapy, uh, if you want to yeah. check that out if you're, if you're listening. But today we're actually going to go do the, the classic episode, the From the Ashes story, um, and hear more about you um, and about your career change, which is something that I've experienced. I, mean, I knew you as a therapy student. Um, and now you're working in construction, right? Yep. Still a project manager here in Chicago. Yeah. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a field that I was in before I was a therapist. So I kind of returned to it, you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I think it's, it's such a timely episode because we you know what's going on in the country is this great resignation thing, which is something that I am fascinated from from many angles it's something i've been actually doing a lot of research on it's got me re-engaged in kind of the news process you know from a psychological angle from a, a economic angle for what it means for the housing market for you know jobs you know at the time of recording i think it was two weeks ago facebook changed its name to meta and it's looking at doing vr and like a virtual world um you know the futurist in me gets really excited so i think it's a timely episode to talk about quitting and how to how to reframe quitting as winning and as succeeding. Well, I'm here for it. Let's get started. Let's get started. So, <laughs> so dive us in. Uh, tell us about your From the Ashes story. So I was listening to your episode last week and kind of realized there's some similarities in our upbringings. And, you know, I kind of grew up and I grew up in South Georgia with uh, some really loving parents and they took care of all of my material needs. Um, we weren't well off when I was like a baby. I don't really remember, but um, my dad has that entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, really, I don't remember ever wanting for anything. I went to private school, um, got a good education. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't realize until much later in life that I was kind of emotionally neglected growing up. Um, I think if my parents could have done better they would have i just don't think they were set up for raising a kid at the time honestly and um growing up that kind of left me a little lonely and um i really took to video games early on as a way to as an outlet um you know, I, the loneliness wasn't just emotionally. I also just had a hard time making friends in school. And I was the ADD kid bouncing off the walls, basically. So they had to put me on Ridlin in like first grade. I remember that. I don't think they put kids on uh, Ridlin that early anymore. But yeah, that's really early. So your brain's back still Back in the 90s, they, yeah. 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 Back in the 90s, they certainly did. Um, 
So because of my behavior in class, I I had a hard time making friends. So really video games and kind of venturing off of my own into the woods were my uh, two main activities growing up. And, you know, through all the years, I also played sports. You know, my parents got me involved in soccer from a young age. I was on one of those teams where the kids don't know which goal to shoot on, you know, all the way up until like 11 or 12, I was playing soccer. And, um, you know, I, I left soccer at some point, started playing hockey. Uh, but it wasn't until eighth grade that sports really started to pick up for me. We, my middle school at the time did not have a football program, but our last year there in eighth grade, they decided to start one. And uh, I, I had had a bit of a growth spurt in seventh grade. I was close to my full height now. Like I was probably 5'10 and about, I was over 200 pounds going into eighth grade, but I was still like relatively quick. And uh, the coach kind of realized that. And I became like the William Perry of the the refrigerator, <laughs> William Perry. You You're just like that? the tank. Yeah. 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 If we got within 10 yards, I just got the ball and like dragged kids across the goal line basically. And so basically I, I will never forget the first game uh, was the turning point for me. Uh, they gave me the ball. I dragged, I literally had a kid dragging on my leg across the goal line. <laughs> and then, so I scored, I scored the touchdown. And then, you know, we, I kicked the PAT. So I scored the first seven points because I was also the kicker. I was just kind of like all around. And, uh, you know, it was at that point that I realized like, that felt really good. And I want to keep doing that. And for the next several years, video games took a uh, sort of backseat in my life. And, um, you know, through high school, I was really active with football and I was very determined to get a college scholarship going through all this. And my junior year of high school, um, my mom had always struggled with depression Um I didn't know that at the time, but looking back on it, obviously that's what was going on for her. And uh, I got a call one day after practice that she had uh, attempted suicide Mm. and I had no idea what to do with this information. Um, You know, I, I remember going to the hospital and uh, going to the, I think what I called it like the crazy ward or the crazy floor or whatever it was. And I, I berated her instead of, you know, being there like I probably should have, but um, I was in total shock. I didn't know what to do. Um, she already wasn't a huge emotional support in my life, but in the way that she was, uh, it was just a huge blow. And the combination of that and not being able to, put words to my feelings at the time. Um, I, I kind of dove into football even more. And um, I didn't tell any of my friends. Uh, in fact, it, it wasn't until this year that my best friend, who was going to be the best man at my wedding, which we didn't have because of COVID, uh, that he even knew because I told him finally. And... Um, so anyway, this leads into my senior year of high school. Uh, my mom attempted suicide again. And 
I just kind of kept my head down and really just focused on sports. Broke up with my girlfriend, just like didn't know what to do other than sports. You know, I was kind of getting angry, really short with people, but it was just all I knew. So I just focused on it and got my scholarship. It was the school I wanted. I was super psyched. And, um, you know, I didn't play a single down in college, but uh, getting that scholarship was one of the you know, greatest moments of my life because I had done nothing but work for that. And um, I think, so basically, first day of practice in, in college, I sustained the injury that would end my career. Um, and, you know, I, play, I practiced the rest of the semester and did uh, everything I could to try and get back on the field it just wasn't going to happen then the team kind of fell apart all the coaches left yada yada long story short um i ended up leaving this huge support for myself uh right at the beginning of college and you know two years go by i'm i'm drinking a lot more um i've got my friends as my support system but i was pretty unhappy with what i was in school for, I never really thought about any of it because I had been so focused and I was really down on myself for leaving football because, you know, number one, I had told everybody in my life, you know, I'm going to go do this, this great thing. Um, and it was such a huge part of my identity that I didn't really know how to be without it. Um, and the camaraderie that I had with, uh, the, the little bit of camaraderie that I had on the team was sustaining me in a lot of ways emotionally. And probably the end of my sophomore year of college is when I discovered World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you talked about last week. Oh, yeah, uh, big time. <laughs> you can dive in pretty deep on WoW. And, yeah. um, you know, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about today, I started to strike me how similar uh, WoW rating is to sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those that don't know, rating is just, uh, it's like a team effort. 25 people get together and they are trying to take down this raid boss and there's all this strategy and coordination, yada, yada. But, you know, there's a roster, it's competitive, you're playing with the same people every week. Um, If you're like doing it hardcore, you're doing it four or five days a week for like 20 plus hours. Uh, So by the end of my, the start of my senior year of college, I was playing World of Warcraft 16 hours a day and I was living alone and I hadn't talked to my friends in months. And uh, I really just kind of hit rock bottom at that point in it. I was completely in it. Yeah. And I knew at the time how terrible it was for me. Um, But I kept telling myself like, uh, you know, uh, the end of college was like my, my cutting off point kind of thing, you know, like uh, an alcoholic might tell themselves like they're going to stop drinking at the end of the year. I was like, I'm going to stop playing wow when I graduate kind of thing. And I did end up quitting, but it was uh, one of those things. It was just like quitting the sports team where I still didn't understand what was going on for me. 
and how much, even though, I, you know, it was a terrible outlet and I was spending so much time doing it and it was very unhealthy, um, that it was really keeping me alive in a lot of ways. I, I was never suicidal, but, um, without wow, I, I imagine I would have been. And <clears throat> so fast forward a couple of years, I'm working, uh, at my family company and I'm just like miserable. I, I don't have my video games. I don't have my sports. Uh, my friends are still around, but I just, I still, I have this sense inside that something's not right. And at the time I told myself it was my work. Um, I think part of me kind of knew it wasn't at the time, but I needed to get out of there. So I moved to Colorado and um, I kept working for my family company um, uh, quite a bit, but I took some side jobs here and there trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, eventually I ended up dating this girl that went to Naropa. And I think that relationship was really the start of my emotional life in a lot of ways. And um, it's what led me down the path to, go to Naropa myself. The relationship itself didn't last very long, uh, probably for good reason. And, but it, it did kind of spark my interest in therapy and um, learning about my internal life. And um, I, I think, you know, my, my time at Naropa was my time at Naropa was um, so eye-opening that, you know, here we are three, almost four years later, and I'm still processing a lot of what came out of that uh, journey. And um, uh, Naropa really saved my life, I think. I really believe that. And as you were saying, and I'm sure a lot of people that go through that program, uh, they use it for their own personal therapy as well as their education. Because in a lot of ways, when you're a therapist, I mean, that's appropriate uh, to process all that stuff so you can learn how to help others. And um, you know, I, I tried the private practice thing for a little bit. You know, you and I talked a lot about that before I left. And um, I think at some point I just realized like, I think I'm done with this. Um, I got out of Naropa what I came for and I'm going to focus on the people that were always present, which were all of my friends and my family and growing my own family and um, not worrying so much about the external factors in my life, like keeping me depressed, I guess. Um, and it took a lot of identity changes to get to that point and, and quitting uh, a bunch of jobs in Colorado, um, leaving my family business, which was a huge, you know, uh, we, we talked about toxic masculinity last time, but quitting is a dirty word in that realm and walking away from it when it was, you know, my family business was um, a huge blow to my family relationships. And the entire so getting to the you know point of the conversation today, I think through all of these things, 
you know, I left video games uh, or I quit my rating team. I quit my, my football team. I quit my family business. I quit all these little jobs in Colorado and I had a lot of shame about that at the time. I didn't know what I was doing, but I think now looking back on it, I was moving towards my mental health in a way. And it wasn't that I was quitting. It was that I was moving towards what I think was ultimately good for me. And um, fast forward, I'm married <laughs> and we've got a kid on the way and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, so. I mean, that's a phenomenal story. And I think something that's very relatable, I mean, to me and I'm sure to a lot of our listeners, I l love this idea of moving towards your mental health and moving towards more of who you are, you know? And I get that it sounds like it felt like quitting and maybe felt like even failure in the moment. But I had this image as you were talking of just like an onion, just losing the layers, right? As the yes. layers kind of like wilt and die and fall off. Um, so you can get kind of closer to that core. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Looking back on it, that was definitely what was happening, you know, because I didn't know what was underneath at all. Well, and that's the leaf of faith thing. Like, right. You don't know until that, that part falls off. Um, so we're going to move into our commercial break, but when we get back, I'd love to hear, you know, where you're at now, how you're finding that core, you know, what it was like to make those leaps of faith. Cause I think it's very courageous to quit to, and to quit something that, could have been successful or was on some kind of trajectory just to be like, wait, this isn't for me, or, you know, this is kind of killing me in the process. Hmm. So for those listeners out there, uh, tune in and we'll catch you on the other side with another um, segment here. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 
Elevate your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. I'm sitting here with Anthony Delasio, and we're talking about quitting and about moving you know, instead of moving away from something, moving towards something, and it sounds like in your case, it was your mental health. Can you share with the listeners a little bit what those moments were like of, of when you knew it was time to pull the plug? Mm. Um, well, the football piece was much easier because my body just wouldn't let me anymore. <laughs> you know, at some point you just have to walk away. Um, but the first one, I think, being my family business, I think um, what was growing inside me was this, um, I was advocating for myself more and starting to discover my internal life and letting that voice advocate for what was good for me instead of what I should be doing or what people expect of me. And um, I think when ultimately I let the, you know, the mental health voice, the advocacy voice uh, actually advocate, that's when it made the choice kind of easy, but there was still, you know, I was losing so much by, moving on from that position uh, because this was not acceptable for my family either. So it wasn't just losing my job and a, and an income. Um, uh, I think my family felt like I was abandoning them as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, but ultimately it came down to trusting what was going on for me internally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a real leap of faith moment, you know, I just have this image. It's like, you're jumping, but you don't know where you're jumping to, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a yeah. voice in there that's saying like, you got to jump, right? Like you can't stay stuck here. You can't stay, stay trapped here. Um, when you talk, I think a lot about obligation, you know, about this idea of like duty or this idea of um, loyalty, which are good words, but it, they can get warped and twisted. And it sounds like in your case, that other voice was preaching that. Yeah, I think so. And I was still young enough. Um, I, I think I want to like couch some of this and say like, you know, I'm a very privileged individual <laughs> and uh, not everyone can just up and walk away from their job. Mm-hmm. What, even when they um, have the awareness that this voice, that that they're trying to listen to what's good for them. And, you know, there's all kinds of wonderful uh, Buddhist texts that you can read for those times in your life. But uh, I, I was privileged to be able to do that. So um, 
I think it, it, it's also that I was in a position to be able to do that, that it's also important. And that is something that I recognized at Naropa. You know, obviously, they, uh, there's a lot of privilege recognizing there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I want to, I don't even remember what your question was, but uh, I didn't want to sound, um, I don't know, it, it was easy for me in a lot of ways, materially that I was allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good point. And of course there are people that there's right. They, they struggle financially. They have, you know, large families, many dependents, you know, maybe physical ailments that keep them stuck. Right. You right. know, and, and for that, that's, that's awful. Right. Cause it's not just the emotional obligation. It's that kind of physical financial survival stress. Right. Right. And I think um, what, what I've, all, you know, I'm back in construction, like I said, and, you know, years ago, I probably would have told you that construction is this awful uh, career and it kept me depressed. And, you know, I, the things I was telling myself that sort of abutted my ego to allow me to take this big step, um, but I'm back in it. And uh, I think it was the shift towards the relationships in my life becoming my focus that um, have made not only the the difficult choices easier, uh, but um, <clears throat> it's made work uh, less of a factor in my life <laughs> in that way. So what, when it's not, um, your identity in that way, it's a little easier to make those more difficult career changing steps. <clears throat> yeah, I think I heard this first. I think it was at Naropa, where they said, you know, the the solution to depression is connection, hmm. right? The antidote is, is connection. What was that like for you of shifting from moving towards connecting with other people? rather than finding identity in solo things. Uh, that was scary as hell. Had to have been, right? Uh, um, what's coming up for me right now is my first small group at Naropa. <clears throat> group therapy was a huge, huge influence um, to get me on that path. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and... Um, I think it started there in that group, really. Like uh, you're you're in this pressure cooker almost, and even the biggest defenses you have, and one of mine was just like staying quiet, which I'm still pretty good at in group. Uh, but it, number one, you you pick a lot up through osmosis, and number two, there's a lot of people there that will reflect your behavior back to you. And which I think inevitably changes it um, for the better. And uh, so the short answer is it was excruciating. (laughs) (laughs) The most painful thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) But the long answer was it was really kind of uh, beautiful and um, uh it was eye-opening not only for my own internal life, but just all of the parts of 
relationship that I had been wanting and didn't know it my whole life. Yeah. I mean, I think we're similar in that way. Um, the defense is a little bit different. I think in, in group, I can move towards like grandiosity as a way to mm. separate out. Right. Or I can like talk a lot, but it's all just bluster. Right. Like it's still, it's almost the same as keeping quiet. It's just like dominating mm-hmm. the space rather than just actually connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And it's been such a big, I mean, it continues to be such a big thing in my life to focus on connection. And, and I think what you're saying, the excruciating part is realize my barriers to it. Right. Be really mm-hmm. painfully aware of, of those walls, you know, um, you know, on the show, I talk about the girl that I'm, I'm dating every once in a while. And we always had a realization with her a couple of weeks ago that, you know, those, the moments that create intimacy between us aren't the dates. Like it's not the like fancy dinner or the romantic getaway or, you know, um, seeing the movie together or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, I love those things and that's actually what I'm good at in dating. What I'm mm-hmm. bad at dating is the moments that create intimacy, which is like waking up next to each other mm-hmm. or driving to the grocery store or to pick up something from Costco, you know, mm-hmm. or like taking out the garbage or just like sitting on a Sunday morning with like not that much to do. Um, and that's where she is more, way more comfortable and confident in a relationship than I am. Mm-hmm. And those moments are good for me and, and tough. I mean, I can see them bouncing off my walls every once in a while because I, I crave that like high stimulation. You know, I, mm-hmm. I crave the like peak experiences um, again and again and again. It's harder for me to, to settle down into those intimate moments. Yeah. A toothbrush is never so terrifying until somebody leaves one in your bathroom. A hundred percent. Cause they're coming back the next weekend. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, and I, and I think about, um, I feel a tang of emotion saying this. I think about you with your future child mm. and those moments where like, they'll just be laying on you. And that's mm. like, that's the connection. Like that's, those are the moments that matter. Yeah. Yeah. And my God, I just, in this moment, have so much appreciation again for my uh, education at Naropa. I'm not, I'm not a paid shill for Naropa. I promise people. I'm, (laughs) I I think honestly, it just, it saved my life in a lot of ways, not only because I might've ended up suicidal at some point, but um, you know, I'm going to be able to have those connecting and deeply meaningful and, amazing moments with my son uh, because of uh, my time there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm very excited. We have like eight weeks until she's due and uh, each week it feels a little bit more real. It's coming up fast. Yeah. It's really coming up fast. I mean, I'm, we're getting together in a month mm-hmm. and when you leave, it'll be like at any time, like it could, it could happen. And I'm just like, so excited. <laughs> no, right around new year's. Yeah. That, that, that's wild. Um, so yeah, in Europa, I'm also not a show, but it is the, uh, this is the best treatment program in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. If you want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a treatment program, this is the place for you. This is the one to do it. You know, you'll you end up with a degree, but you know, that's really <laughs> secondary. <laughs> yeah. You don't really have to do anything with the degree. Don't worry. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So along on the lines of quitting, I think we talked a little bit about you know you shedding those layers of the onion, and mm. 
you know, in my world, I think of that as getting clear about your values, you know, understanding, and I wrote this for me, and I imagined it for you, of which are your families that you can shed, which are the cultures that you can shed, which are part of masculinity and other identities that you can shed, and which are actually yours at the end of the day, mm. you know? Um, so I'm curious for you, one, I guess, did that happen? And two, what values are you seeing emerge in you as you've gone through all these shedding and, and quitting moments? Mm. I got to think about that one for a second. I think ultimately my integrity in my relationships is becoming more important over time. Um, I, <laughs> I have a lot to work on with uh, uh, things around the house, <laughs> you know, for instance. Uh, and those are the maybe the easier things to fix, but um, I think just in those moments that, uh, you know, I shared about my defense in groups is to stay quiet or sort of remove myself from whatever might be going on in the room. Um, when, when I'm actually available, uh, but I just don't want to be available um, those are the moments I try and look at what's going on for me. And, you know, if my wife needs me for something either emotionally or around the house or whatever, um, <clears throat> it's still a struggle for me sometimes to open up to her and let her in with my stuff and be there for her when she has something going on. So, um, part of the integrity that I'm talking about is, um, facing that defense in myself of uh, shutting down. And that's probably the main one I've, I think I've been focused on recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just finding a way to yeah, stay quiet or to, to clamp down the emotions. I mean, I see that with so many of the guys that I work with too, is, you know, you ask them the, the therapy question, right? Like, how does that make you feel? And a lot of them look at me with almost a pained expression and say, you know, I don't know. Mm. Right. Or like, I feel, yeah. I feel nothing. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, I'd say men in particular, there is this movement towards shutting down or, or pushing away. Mm -hmm. it, I think it takes like a lot. And, and for me too, it takes like a redoubling of efforts, right? Like I'll try to feel something and be like, nah, and then be like, okay, try again. You know, like, like right. I have to like work at being like, okay, how do I actually feel about this rather than how, what do I think about this? You know, like, mm -hmm. what do I, like, I want to jump to logistics and planning and execution, but it, it cuts off, you know, my, my body beneath the, beneath the neck, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's actually, I think for me where meditation uh, became like a huge uh, learning experience mm -hmm. because I learned pretty quickly that, um, you know, if somebody asks me genuinely, how are you feeling? My answer, at least honestly, can't be nothing because there's always something that we're feeling really. And it's either, I'm either lying to them or lying to myself. And at least if I don't want to talk about it, I can at least be honest and say, I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, but that, that alone is vulnerable because it's, it's telling them that something might be going on. I just don't want to, it might be something either I don't want you to know, or it's something I don't want to deal with with you, but I can't deal with it myself. Like, it, you know, it's, um, you know, we talked about last time, 
sad, mad, glad for a lot of guys is where we have to start. And the Mankind Project, I went to that Warrior Weekend, and that was a that was right before Naropa, so it was kind of an eye-opening experience um, in that way too, because uh, we're going through things all the time, and um, being honest with ourselves is another piece of that integrity, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, that's something that I continuously try to practice. I think Naropa helped me in that too, of just the value of honesty, right? Back to kind of values and. This idea of quitting, you know, like you said, knowing that, knowing truly, even though it's a shitty truth sometimes, that whatever you were doing doesn't serve you and mm-hmm. wasn't healthy, right? Wasn't helping your mental health, wasn't helping you advance in the ways that are meaningful for you and your and your family. Um, the honesty is like, whew, that's such a stinger. It right? is. Because, you know, I can say I'm very proud. I live a life of essentially no secrets. Secrets don't have power over me but I still struggle to the thing that you say of being honest in the moment and being able to check in and just say whatever's on my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to work to shorten that window, you know, between feeling something and talking about it. Right. Yeah. The honesty piece is such a crux Um, in the uh, loosest way that I practice Buddhism. I would say that, that that has to be a sort of cornerstone of it. And that doesn't mean telling everybody the truth all the time. It just means telling yourself the truth most of the time (laughs) or as often as you can. Right. Exactly. Like not living in delusion. Right. 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 So we're going to move into our next commercial break here. Um, If you're listening and you're enjoying this, you know, it's resonating with you. Do all the social stuff, like it, share it, send it to your friends. All that stuff really helps. Um, In our final segment, we're going to talk about some directly to you and talk about if you feel stuck, stuck by obligation. Um, If you're facing this great resignation thing that's happening, Uh, some thoughts, tips, advice that we might have for someone in your position. So stay tuned and we'll catch you on the other side of the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azulay dot teachable dot com that's mark m-a-r-c dash azulay a-z-o-u-l-a-y dot teachable dot com for teens by teens and about teens tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on express yourself 
every Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Smart, tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out. Express yourself. Visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com. And check out the show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Sunday. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call one 888 Three four six nine one four one. That's one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. Or send an email to podcast at mark azulaycom Now back to from the ashes. Welcome back. In our final segment, we like talking directly to the listeners, and I think this topic of quitting can't be timely enough. I mean, with the headlines around this great resignation, I've been doing some research around what that is. And it's, it's, it's all this, right? I mean, it, it's all this. And uh, to give a little context, of at least what I've been reading is it seems like there's two groups, which, you know, Anthony, like you're talking about, I think really connect on privilege, right? Like privilege seems to be the dividing factor. So there tends mm-hmm. to be, I think what we see mostly is people that work in the service industry, people that work in the healthcare industry and people that work in the retail industry that in general have less privilege are resigning in droves. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they're not getting paid enough, which I, I'm with, right? I worked in service all growing up. They, you know, are not getting respected. They're out there. We're on the front lines during a global pandemic. That was very scary for many people. And, you know, they wake up every morning to make not a lot of money and then get yelled at by somebody that they thought they got their cappuccino, you know, uh, order wrong, right? Like, right, right. There's, there's that group. And then there's a group of people that are more privileged that are, moving from jobs that are working more remotely, that don't want to go back to the office, right? That, you know, are kind of getting in touch with their values that are seeing, I think, had their values questioned through the isolating experience that was COVID. You mm-hmm. know, um, maybe I'll bite my words. I guess, I mean, I hope I don't eat my words, but my experience with COVID is that the infection risk really wasn't the thing. It seems like isolation was the big thing. Like, this was a real test of isolation. Mm-hmm. And what happens to people when they lose for many of them, their coping strategies, their friends, their networks, their communities, their activities, um, you're just left with, you know, their mind alone in their in their apartment. Um, so anyway, I'm thinking about all this and thinking about what, what you're saying around quitting and around kind of moving towards more of yourself. And I'm, I'm curious if you have any advice or, or thoughts or, or prompts for someone that might be thinking about resigning, right? Someone that might be you know, moving on to a new or different job or moving back in with their parents or moving into roommate situations, right? Moving out of a, a single uh, family home, things like mm-hmm. that. I think for me, um, uh, as part of this journey of um, becoming more aware of what's going on for me and uh, those around me, I've gotten very political and really started to um, question, you know, our economic system, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't want to get too into the weeds with it here on this show, but I think um, 
just to speak to the first part of what you said, um, the first group anyway, I, I think um, workers are recognizing their power, really. And it's really an amazing thing. I mean, um, the minimum wage has been stagnant for, you know, over a decade at this point. Um one could argue that the progressive candidate was screwed out of the nomination two two times now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, our government continues to show, even when the Democrats are in power, that they don't want to help the working people, uh, even though that's what they run on. And these these last couple months with uh, the Build Back Better bill being tossed around the House and the Senate, I think really shows that. So um, I think. Um, for that first group, uh, again, I'm not in that group myself. I'm I'm more of in the privilege group, but, uh, if you have a shitty job (laughs) and you're thinking about quitting, this is the time to do it. Frankly. I mean, there are jobs all over the place and you don't even necessarily have to move on to something different. Um, uh, you can just, find a place where you don't have a crappy boss or a, you know, a crappy situation or crappy coworkers. Um, this might be the best time ever to do that actually. Uh, so yeah, that, that's the advice I have. I mean, the privileged folks, I mean, it, it's the same situation. They just have, I think less risk and more negotiating power as an individual. I think the, the workers um, as we're seeing right now in New Hampshire, I think it's New Hampshire with the, or no, um, New York, Buffalo, I believe it is, with the Starbucks that are uh, voting to unionize. You know, the w- workers need to collaborate together and uh, get their needs met in that way, in my opinion. So you can, you can improve your individual situation by finding a better job, but uh, if you want to make things better for, for yourself and people going forward, you've got to unionize. I think that that makes a lot of sense, right? It's like the power of the masses and, and having that louder voice is absolutely critical. And yeah, I mean, I think people are really like white knuckling for some people out of survival, for some people out of fear, some people out of duty and oblig- obligation. And now our eyes are opening a little bit of like, whoa, what was all that for? You know, mm-hmm. or I, you know, sacrificed so much and the job or the environment or, you know, capitalism as a whole or whatever it is, is not supporting me. It's really not supporting me for the sacrifices that, that we made. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, capitalism <laughs> has a, a big role to play in a lot of that suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not obviously the only thing, but um, in the ways that uh, we as individuals and uh, as a group can reckon with that and try and change that. I think we need to. Yeah. I, th- I think that's absolutely important. And I think, you know, a lot of that goes around normalizing quitting, you know, and, and normalizing that kind of upward mobility and the ability to have a voice, because that's right. what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, when it comes to that, that working class and, and those unions, it is about having a voice and using quitting as a, as a way to get that. Right. Right, exactly. And I think <clears throat> I think maybe the owners and bosses are actually starting to come to that, come around to that. 
I mean, earlier on in the summer, you heard a lot of the lines of, um, oh, well, people just aren't coming to work because they want to stay on unemployment. Okay. Like, I don't buy that at all for an extra couple hundred bucks a month. Maybe a larger percentage of people were staying on unemployment a little bit longer than they should have. Uh, But here we are. It is November 12th. Uh, the last increased unemployment check, I believe, went out at the end of August, and we are still in a huge unemployment uh, mess right now, or, or um, labor shortage. And I think you're right. I think that's it. People are just starting to um, realize uh, I have a say here, and this is how I'm going to do it while I can. So, and I, I think um, what I was trying to get there was um, now that that excuse of the uh, lazy unemployment check person is not coming to fruition, you're starting to see wages rise on their own, even though uh, our government fails to act on raising it themselves. Right. Yeah, I see that too. I mean, the private sector, I think, is is stepping in. As, as I personally believe that they show those are kind of more of my politics. Mm-hmm. and doing what the government seems to be unable to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because that they're responding to the need, right? I mean, it's shitty that the workers have to go without work and for many people without income for you know months now, maybe mm-hmm. even a year. But the market, for better or for worse, is adapting to be like, okay, like we have to become, now it's like the worker has the power in some ways, right? Like the right. the, the higher, the, especially God. the corporation and the companies, <laughs> yeah, like they have to become attractive to the worker. Because mm-hmm. the worker does have quite a lot of choice. Yeah, I, I where, saw where an article. I, I saw an article the other day that uh, HR uh, people in HR are complaining that uh, workers aren't calling them back mm-hmm. from <laughs> for job interviews. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, if anybody in the last twenty years has tried, I mean, maybe it's been forever, but I, I've only been looking at jobs for about fifteen years. Uh, but if anybody has ever tried to apply to a job, you almost never get a call back. But look who's complaining now at this point. Um, so yeah, I think the shoe is a little bit on the other foot. And um, if the wages don't increase on their own, uh, you're going to see more of these movements uh, of, you. I mean, you know, the Amazon one failed down in Alabama, uh, but there's all kinds of reasons why that probably wasn't uh natural and i I believe they're suing over that right now over unfair practices and you're just going to see this keep cropping up and um so the forces whatever your politics are supply and demand will take over and right now the demand is for workers so the wages are going to go up one way or another whether it's through unionization or the companies give in and uh, decrease their bottom line a little bit Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, for that other group, because I think it's worth talking about them too. I know people listening to the podcast can fall in that group as well. There mm-hmm. is this freedom, which I think comes with privilege, but there is this freedom of not being tethered to the city, you know, where your company is headquartered, you know, right. being able to work digitally, being able to work remotely, being able to have a business that supports your lifestyle rather than a business that dictates it. You How know, amazing I, is that? It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, some of the clients that I work with, a handful of them actually are looking at 
moving or they're spending extended amount of time in South America, right? Because it's cheaper. They can live in a rainforest on the coast, right? I mean, the time zones are the same, you know? So it's actually yeah. not too hard to, to take business calls. Um, right. And there is this like pretty crazy decentralization and really like globalization of of work that is happening really quickly now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw like um, when Silicon Valley, it, they were, uh, a lot of workers were just like, no, I'm not coming back. And they were like, fine, we're not going to pay you San Francisco wages anymore. We're going to lower your pay. And the workers were like, okay, I don't have to pay San Francisco rents anymore. That's fine. This isn't a cash grab. It's about um, getting more of my autonomy back and providing you the labor that I can where I want and doing my job without you breathing down my neck. Absolutely, right? It's about quality of life and being able to yeah grow a community or connect with people. Exactly. Um, well, you know, these episodes go by so quickly, we're nearing the end here. <laughs> um, I'm curious, Anthony, any final thoughts on what you would tell somebody um, who is thinking about quitting? Know where your supports are and um, try and identify the reasons that you're doing it. And once you're clear on those things, just go for it. And even if you're not clear, if you have a gut sense, just go for it, especially right now. I mean, in this climate right now, uh, there has never been a better time to leave your crappy job <laughs> Yeah. Or, or explore a field that you've been wanting to for a long time. Yeah. Make a better life for yourself. Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people where they might find you online? If they want to learn more. Uh, well, get in touch. I, I, I don't really sell anything, but uh, <laughs> I'm happy to email <laughs> back and forth with folks. Um, uh, my email is first initial last name. So you'll probably see it on the, uh, my name on the podcast here, but it's adelasio at gmail.com. And um, I don't think they can really find me anywhere else because I don't really have social media. So. <laughs> so there you go. Shoot him an email <laughs> if you're interested in talking to him. Oh, I'm on Instagram if people want to see my dog pictures. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning in. Um, we'll see you next week on another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.